I'm not taking up my car. I'm not. I'm not taking up this 14-year-old wallet. I, you know, I. The only thing that we take up with us is our memories and our relationships. Yeah. I feel like, and it's like, if that's going to be the only thing we take with us, it shouldn't that be the priority then? And I love this. Woo! That was good. Freak. Good if the whole episode's going to be like that. Welcome to the Into the Like podcast. We're so excited for today's episode to have Ryan Karchner on our podcast, and Aaron's going to tell us a little bit about him. Heck yeah. We're super pumped to have Ryan on. We've known Ryan for a little while now. He's one of our really close friends, yeah. as you probably found a theme listening to the episodes. That uh, we only invite our friends. <laughs> <laughs> we, we record a lot with our friends and interview a lot with our friends. But Ryan has been living in the same apartment complex as, as us for the last... Six few months? months yeah yeah since september or yeah yeah something like that yeah yeah and he is just an incredible dude and we're gonna learn so much from today but before we get started with asking ryan questions i had a quick story that i wanted to share about ryan because over the last i don't know month month and a half we've been going on runs Kind of semi-frequently. We've been on three or four runs together. You run? Well, know. they're more like jogs. <laughs> yeah, jogs. He would jogs. be running. <laughs> but um, I, I'm going to start bringing like, what do you call those things? Not the mopeds. They're like the segways. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and no then word. like the moment he looks over, I'll just put it away and start running again. But our, on our most recent run, it was probably like two weeks ago, something like that. We wake up. Ryan works early in the morning, so we were leaving at like, what, 6.45, 7 o'clock in the morning. Just going for like, I think we went three miles that day, something like that. So we ran a mile and a half up towards Provo Canyon. We turn around and, you know, you're kind of getting loose in the second half of the run. And we're about half a mile, a quarter mile away from our apartment complex. And <laughs> I turned to Ryan. And I'm like, Ryan, you okay if we open it up a little bit for the last like quarter mile, yeah. half mile? And Ryan's like... Man, I've just been waiting on you all Let's morning. Do it, man. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's right. That's what I said. <laughs> and so we open it up a little bit, and it's just like a straightaway for the last quarter mile and getting back to the apartment complex. Mm -hmm. So I'm like, okay, we're, we're just going to sprint this last quarter mile. I mean, it's a quarter mile. It's a quarter mile. <laughs> <laughs> and then, crazy. so we start running, like actually, like running, running. And I get to the apartment complex, and I kind of look around. I'm like, where the crap did Ryan go? And I look back down the, <laughs> down the sidewalk. <laughs> and no joke, he's on his hands and knees. <laughs> with, his, with his head over the curb, puking oh. onto, the, onto the road. We live right next to a really busy road, too. <laughs> I didn't care at all who saw me. My only concern was life. <laughs> at that point, my lungs were like about to come out of my face it was not good it's funny oh, because earlier no. in the run we had been discussing about how nice it is to kind of like just push yourself to ultimate exertion and exhaustion yeah he did it <laughs> he ryan's did it done it on day. multiple runs that we've been on yeah <laughs> <laughs> and i have i have nothing but respect <laughs> nothing but respect I have for nothing someone but regret <laughs> that can push themselves so hard to throw up well, I just don't like losing. I don't, <laughs> I don't. I don't want this guy that I think is pretty cool to. I don't. I don't. I, I want to beat him to somehow. You? Yeah. I, I, it's like I want to be able to show like I'm worthy of your respect. 
but no. Well, the, admir- the admiration. <laughs> I'm just worthy of your laughs now. <laughs> the admiration's mutual because it's admirable to throw up on a run. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I guess. I don't run. <laughs> of all the things to be remembered for. <laughs> hey, now I like, Oh, that's the guy that puked with me. <laughs> yeah, we're homies. Well, like, I mean, knows, like, right? it's, it's trauma that causes bonding, right? You, you've marked Freedom Boulevard. <laughs> with that, ooh, left my mark. That. That's, <laughs> that's crazy. I, I never thought of it that way. I, I, I like describing it as, like, Sidewalk art. <laughs> yeah, either or. <laughs> oh, God. That is not a Brian's like, all right, let's cancel this yeah, episode. Next. <laughs> next topic. But yeah, that's that's a little something about Ryan. That's Ryan's honestly thing. one of the kindest dudes and honestly someone that will take time out of his day for anybody just to sit hmm. and talk and get to know. As awesome. you'll, you'll definitely hear throughout this episode. Yeah, for sure. But yeah, let's, let's jump in. Well, first, Ryan, I actually don't know this. Where are you from and what are you doing in Provo? What am I doing in Provo? I could give you three guesses. <laughs> the first two don't count. <laughs> School. Oh, okay. I didn't know that. Um, so I already graduated, though. That's, okay. that's why I came to Provo. But um, So I, I moved eight times growing up. So, uh, yeah, moving was like about as common for us as growing up as it is for college students, you know. Yeah. <laughs> it's kind of unfortunate, not going to lie, but... Um, so I was born in Oregon, lived there for nine years, then Washington for seven years, and then we moved to Utah when I was 16. Mm. Um, and then I've lived here ever since, except for a two-year hiatus, did an internship for the church. <laughs> Love uh, those. The recruiting department. <laughs> the recruiting department. <laughs> yeah. That's funny. Okay, I didn't know that. So what part of Utah, though? Um, so we were, we were in a couple of different houses. We went to, uh, We were in Salem, Utah. For a little while, about six South? months. Huh? Yeah, South. it's like right below. Uh, it's like Spanish Springville, Fork. Spanish Fork. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and then from there, we uh, moved up to Sandy to a house in Sandy, and then we lived there for a year, and then moved to to a different house in Sandy. Um, but fortunately, I got to stay at the same high school during nice. those moves. That was nice. Three different high schools. Uh, don't recommend it. During four but, years of high school. That's great. Yeah. <laughs> Um, but junior and senior year were a total godsend. I loved it. It was absolutely amazing. Uh, Hillcrest High School was where I went to my junior and senior year, and um, uh, it was just really neat. Um, like, you know, the, you, you, sometimes you go places or you meet people, do things, and you're like, this is cool, this is fun, this is good. But then there's something you try, and it just, like, feels like home. It just feels like your soul just like connected with it yeah. on like a very deep, intimate level. And that's kind of what I felt when we moved to that, our last move in Sandy, that that second house in Sandy, that place that we moved to, um, it just felt like home. Aww. It was it was like an answer to prayer that I, did, I don't remember even having prayed, <laughs> yeah. but it was, it was amazing. That's like awesome. most people, um, they like fight their whole lives trying to find like a really good group of friends that they just like bond with, that they connect with, that they feel like they just get and that get them. Mm-hmm. Um, and on my very first day, having moved to Sandy, um, I go to class, or sorry, I show up at school and uh, this lady just kind of walks me over to my class because I didn't know how to find it. And uh, I go meet my teacher and as I'm talking to the teacher, he's like, hmm, where should we have you sit? This girl walks up and says, why are you wearing a sweatshirt? Mm. I'm like, because uh, I'm, I don't, it's, I don't know. It's just habit. I, I grew up in Washington, and it rains like ninety nine 
percent of the year and you just you just wear sweatshirts over there so it's yeah. out of habit you know just moved to utah like i'm still wearing sweatshirts all the time even though it is august in utah you know like sorry get yeah. off my back yeah and uh and that was my first introduction to jenny and then mr castleton was the teacher and he's like yeah go sit with Jenny. <laughs> so I was like, oh no. <laughs> so then I sit next to this girl and she ends up just yapping my ear off the whole class. I'm like, well, I don't think I learned a single thing about physics that semester. <laughs> I did learn that she can talk. <laughs> I don't know how she has time to breathe though. <laughs> but anyway, she, um, after, at the end of that class, she was like, well, what are you doing for lunch? I was like, a soul <laughs> I, i've been here for a whopping like hour you, you are the only person in this city that i have talked to okay <laughs> you know like where else am I, well, I have no idea where am i supposed to go i didn't say that to her i was like no yeah, i got no I, I got no lunch plans <laughs> and she's like oh well come with me so then she takes me brings me to this table and she's like all right this is johnny this is steven this is moody and this is nathan welcome to the crew Crew, meet Ryan. Ryan, meet the crew. <laughs> Aww, that's and so, sweet. and then they became my like best that. friends. They became my incredible. best friends really? the rest of high school. We did everything together, like all Aww. the time. Like it was, it was more uncommon to have a day go by that I wasn't with them than a day go by uh, that I was. Aww. If that makes sense. Yeah. And it was a party. That's awesome. They, <laughs> Moody came up to me like the next day. <laughs> I had been in Utah for well, I guess in Sandy for a day. And Moody comes up and he's like, hey, you should ask Jenny to, to homecoming. I'm like, bro, I've never even been to a school dance before, like, like ever in my life. I've never been to any dance except for maybe like some like church ones like in middle school or something. I don't even remember. Like yeah, EFY maybe. That doesn't count. And I was like, I don't even know. What? What do you mean? I, I, okay. I, I, I don't even know who you are. You know, really? I met you like once at, at lunch. And now I'm supposed to go to a dance with you. I get. Anyway, it was wild. And they were like, yeah, dude. Just do it. And I was like, all right. In the words of Nike, we will honor them. <laughs> and so to ask her out, um, I ended up getting this like, <laughs> I'm still proud of this to this day. I got like a giant rock and I had to have my buddy Moody come help me pick it up because I couldn't pick it up on my own. So we got this enormous rock, put it in my car, brought it to my place and we painted the word no on it. And then we got a tiny rock and painted the word yes. Oh, that's And then cute. we got a poster and then said, you plus me, homecoming, uh, bring your answer to this address. <laughs> and so we left this enormous rock on her front doorway with the small rock right next to it. And uh, she didn't bring either. <laughs> but Did she say no? <laughs> no, she got a little cake and Aww. put a whole bunch of candles in there. And then told me to light the candles and blow them out to get my answer. And so I lit the candles, blew them out, and then their magic ones relit, spelling out yes. Aww. So that was pretty cool. Utah and homecoming. Sick. Yeah, that's 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 how you ask people to dates or to dances in in high school Gosh, in Utah. Dang. Don't Gosh. miss that. Yeah, it was a good time, man. It was a good time. Well, I love hearing that. I haven't heard a lot of people loving growing up in Utah, so that's awesome. Yeah. That's, mm-hmm. So you grew up with your parents in Washington, Oregon, blah blah blah. Do you have siblings? Yeah, I got one older and two younger. Okay. And how kind of was your family dynamic? Were you guys super religious? Were you guys church goers? Were your parents like very strict rules? Like what was the dynamic of the gospel within your house? Yeah, great question. So uh, um, I li- they were definitely very, very religious. Um, 
but I'm not, I'm not sure how to describe it. I've actually kind of struggled trying to find the right words. Um, they're kind of old-fashioned, you know, like very old-fashioned, like the type of family that grew up like almost like Amish sort of like okay. kind of vibes, you know? Yeah. Like my parents are so out of touch with just what <laughs> is the world, right? They're, they are just like... God is good and God is real and God is great and that's all that matters. And, and like, there's like nothing else. I, I mean, I, I know that sounds like an exaggeration, but like really to a certain degree, huh. if you were to ask me like, what are your parents' hobbies? Probably religion is, is <laughs> that's like- awesome. That's That's crazy. And like they, yeah, my dad and my mom would happily spend an entire weekend just like reading scriptures or like, I don't know, go, listening to conference talks Aww. or just uh, doing Come Follow Me together or uh, whatever, you yeah. know, anything <laughs> as long as it's like God related, like that's them. And like growing up, it's like, my gosh, so much, so much religion all the time. Yeah. But then like every now and then I would get these little snippets, right? Where, you know, every, every kid always wonders like, why mm-hmm. do you do all this? Why mm-hmm. with such like passion and devotion? Like what is your drive? You know, like we could, we could be, be playing games on Sunday. We could like be going out to eat. We could be doing all sorts of fun things, but we don't do anything. You're like, what the heck? You're yeah. sacrificing so much and you do this little tithing thing. What, <laughs> why? You know, like we could go to like Lagoon, you know, <laughs> or something. Why on earth do you spend all of it doing all this stuff mm-hmm. and like i would never ask that but i'd like kind of have it just that that little quiet question mm-hmm. in the back of your mind like we always do right and uh on little bits of an occasion uh, occasions i would like notice things right like um they were in a really big financial uh crisis uh, my parents were and uh um basically one day my mom came up and was like i have enough money to buy a, a loaf of bread pretty much is what, what she told me and my and my sister. Um, and she said, you know what we're going to do with it? And I was like, I, I didn't know what to say to that. And she said, we're going to pay our tithing. And, you know, that mm. moments like that, I'm just like, wow. Well, but still, why? Yeah. You know? Mm. Uh, but I couldn't help but, like, respect the devotion. That's awesome. You know, they never, like, they're, they're the types of people when you ask about, like, dynamic, family dynamic, I don't think my parents have ever once looked at someone and thought they're not good enough for them, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Like, wow. I, really my entire cool. life, I have only known an open door. I, I, I've, they have never once put, like, a list of criteria, conditions to be friends with my, my parents. Like, they, they have always been, like, you know, kind of like you, right, Bray, where it's like you, there aren't any strangers, only friends you haven't met yet. That's very much so my parents. Mm. Um, like my whole life, I've only known like huge smiles and giant hugs to a person you just met like five seconds ago. Like, come yeah. on in, dinner's on the table. Aww. You know, like that's all I've ever known um, was that kind of dynamic. Uh, they, they just they just hold no grudges. They hold no guile, no uh, they, no malice towards anything or anyone. Like yeah. a grudge that doesn't exist right it's like why waste your time like awesome. holding ill will against anything or anyone mm-hmm. and uh that that type of like just open family dynamic i guess um i thought that was normal for everyone uh so Got like it. i'm super open yeah, like you definitely like, inherited that yeah <laughs> right like into the, your personality yeah some people are reserved right like oh i gotta say i won't talk unless it's the right thing or i won't do this unless it's like the right moment or you know that not at all with them you know you don't have to impress them they they already 
you already have their approval. Yeah. Right? You don't have to earn their I, approval. I love that so much. How did that reflect in, like, you and your siblings' spirituality? And maybe spirituality, but also, like, raising. Um, with spirituality, or uh, uh, specifically spirituality, um, I, I would have to think about that a little bit more about how it affected the spirituality, but, like, um, the level of trustingness, I guess, would That's be awesome. probably the biggest root of how it affected really everything, mm-hmm. right? You just, like, with them, there was no uh, price tag for their love, mm. you know? So it's, like, um, the ability to just trust that whatever you do, it's with the best intention. Yeah. You give them the benefit of the doubt, and you just expect them to give you the benefit of the doubt. And so, like, that's just all I've ever known. And mm-hmm. so, like... Uh, with spirituality, you just kind of assume, well, I'm going to give God the benefit of the doubt too, I guess, right? And then let's assume that he's going to give me the same, maybe, I don't know. So I guess that would perhaps be a way how it could have affected our spirituality. Um, But with that said, I think to my earlier comment about how it was like just so narrow, Mm -hmm. their list or their scope of uh, their range of like hobbies and interests, I think my siblings weren't super impressed with that. And they were like, I don't know. But I'm me and my older brother are the only ones that are active in the church. Um, Jordan and Jessica aren't. But they're still really good people, like phenomenal. Like my siblings, yeah. like after having observed some other families, how there is a little bit of dissension and uh, some uh, a hint of a divide amongst them, some tension even. Um, I, I'm kind of surprised. Like my family is actually not at all like that. That's Everyone's awesome. kind of like on really good terms with each other. And like we enjoy seeing each other, you know, it's like it's not an inconvenience at all to give them a call. You know, it's not like, oh, here, call me back when it's more convenient. It's like, a, hey, I'm at work, but what's up, dude? Yeah. You know, and it's it's never like uh, it's never like you have to you don't have to put in any effort yeah. to talk mm-hmm. to them. There's like nothing like that at all. Um, so that's really cool. There's a really awesome dynamic there. But uh, with regards to the spirituality, yeah, it's just me and Josh. My oldest brother, he's actually in a bishopric right now, too. <laughs> it's so wild to think of like having a brother that's in a bishopric, but not as wild as being in one yourself, I guess. <laughs> yeah. yeah well, what he's referring to, Aaron just like, got this called about, into the bishopric. you, Ryan, not me. <laughs> <laughs> topic change, topic change. <laughs> yeah. So, do, how does... Um, what am I trying to say? How does, like your relationship with God kind of transpire throughout high school, throughout college years, throughout yeah. going on your mission? Like, when did you get to the point like, oh, I want to serve God and I want to go mm. on a mission? Or, yeah, I want to go to college, but I still want to go to church and I still want yeah. to attend these meetings because it's important to me. Like, when did that hit you personally? Yeah, so... Um, that was a good question. Yeah, that's a good question. Well done. Good. So, yeah. High five. Mm. <laughs> Two high fives. There we go. Um, that is that is yeah. That is a great question. Um, I think it's hard to narrow it down to one moment, but there are certainly ones that I remember more than others, mm-hmm. right? Um, in I guess in chronological order, um, I just remember always having like this innate connection, like in some sort of supreme being, right? Like I just always it just felt right to yep. me. It, believing has never really been difficult, mm. but like turning that belief into a solid, deep, profound conviction, like, yeah, there was a process for that, but like that innate 
desire to believe, I think has always been there yeah. for my whole life. Um, but there were little bits and pieces where it was like interesting. Like that little tithing moment was like a, oh, you know, note taken, <laughs> you know, put that on, you know, just in the analogs of my spiritual catalog or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> um, and so, and then there were moments where, you know, this is, might be too deep right off the bat, but I guess I'll just jump right in. It's kind of been a long time now, but when I was about 12 or 11, um, and this is actually the reason we moved to Utah, um, uh, my dad ended up not coming home one day and uh, my mom told us that he had been arrested and that he, um, so he ended up going to jail and he was uh, he was gone for about four years so when I was about 11 when that is when that happened so my mom then had to become the breadwinner mm. um, and so she had to start working like you know she would work insane hours, insane. Like most mm -hmm. people don't believe me, but there were many, many days when she would work like 14 hours or 16 hours even. Mm -hmm. Like leave at like six in the morning and not be back till like 10 at night mm -hmm. or something like that, or leave in midnight. It's, you know, it's just absurd, absurd hours. Uh, and so, you know, imagine a household at, at home where you're, you don't have any parental supervision whatsoever like you know like mm -hmm. kids are kids yeah and we'll choose the path of least resistance every time yeah <laughs> and so like yeah. that's not always going to go well right and if if you don't raise your kids the world will sort of thing and so like yeah we got into mischief for sure for sure and so because of that i never i didn't care at all about school you know like i liked the idea of learning but like putting an effort for it like mm -hmm. nah, i'd rather play video games and so like i ended up having like a 1.8 gpa i think my freshman year or my sophomore year something like that um, and then when the day came that my mom lost her job and could no longer afford to afford the home, then we had to move in with my cousins in Salem, Salem, Utah. And that's why we moved here. But when we moved here, uh, and the friends I had back home, they weren't really that great. Right. Um, but then when we moved here to Utah, uh, my cousin, uh, who was my age, she, I just kind of was like fascinated by her and like just her, just like her way of life. I was like, you're interesting. You like do all your homework all the time. And, <laughs> and you like, you're you like do like wholesome things all the time. And it's just like, you seem like a good person Aww. all the time. Yeah, and it's like, yeah. that's kind of a cool life. Yeah. I, can I try? <laughs> <laughs> and so I just kind of like emulated her. Okay. A little bit. I was just kind of inspired by it. And so that semester, I went literally back to back. I went from one semester, the first semester of my sophomore year, I had a 1.8. And then the next semester, I had a 4.0. Um, That's and incredible. Then, That's and then awesome. so, I, yeah, wild, yeah. right? Who would have ever guessed? <laughs> um, and so I ended up trying to, like, incorporate this new lifestyle like that where I've just put um, these higher ideals to a higher priority, mm -hmm. I, I guess. And so then I moved up to the next place. And then I was like, I kind of had more confidence in myself after that. Uh, I had joined wrestling. Um, and uh, after I had um, done that, was I mean, like I, my brother and a couple other people had influenced me to do these things. And um, I really, it really became huge once I got to Utah. And uh, I know you're still wondering, like, how does this help with your spirituality? But um, if I hadn't made that move, if, if we hadn't ever made that move, I, I really don't think I would be where I am today. Hmm. I highly doubt it. At least not the same way. I think eventually I would have perhaps found my way. Mm -hmm. um, but I think perhaps at some point or another, it, not that it would have been too late. It's never too late. But yeah. like, it would have been different. Mm -hmm. Right? And so 
when we came to Utah, um, and that switched my life around, it helped me realize the power of friends, the influence that they can have on you, um, and uh, the things that they encourage you to do, mm-hmm. the things that they put as priorities kind of eventually become your own priorities. Mm-hmm. And all the friends I had were like, yeah, I'm so excited to go on a mission. You know, the friends I had were like, oh yeah, let's do a homework, let's have like homework parties, you know, instead of like, let's go, I don't know, hop a fence into someone's backyard and go like TP them or something like that. That's that's what I would do like in Washington, mm-hmm. right? And stuff like that. And so like these friends were just different. Um, and it, it, it molded me quite a bit um, to be around them and just have fun. Um, so like that was an interesting experience that kind of helped mold the spirituality to see that like if when God almost seemingly made all these things happen, that influenced us to have to move to Utah, that changed me dramatically. My mm. life turned around dramatically. And then I had more experiences in high school, but really everything changed once I got to the mission. That, that is when really, every, that, that's when like it just ignited, like it, it just an explosion. Mm-hmm. Um, was, it a, was it your decision to serve a mission? Did you do it? I guess, what were your motivations to serve? Um, kind of like how I was talking about just like the power of friends. Um, that was a big part, but the, I would say the biggest part was my older brother, mm-hmm. I would say. He, uh, he got his Eagle Scout, and so I got my Eagle Scout. Yeah. Also, in the same timeline, like six minutes before our 18th birthday, (laughs) (laughs) like literally, (laughs) Um, he wrestled, and so I started wrestling. Mm -hmm. He went on a mission, and so I wanted to go on a mission. That was a huge part of it. Um, But uh, eventually, when the missionaries in my home, you know, though, can I just say that's a great motivation. It is. Like I think, I think a lot of people. I mean, what I hear, I. We had a weird dynamic back home with missions, but like what I hear, that's like people look down upon that. But I think that's one of the most yeah. Don't discount that. That's beautiful ways because it's like you are literally saying, "I admire this person and the way they are and the way they live so much. I want to live like them." Mm-hmm. And that's exactly how we think about Christ. But anyways, mm-hmm. I really love that. I love that. That was your motivation but at it, first. And you might even look at that and say, "Well, um, because you had that person in your life." He was able to be an influence or a role model for you. But, like, here's the thing. We can choose our role models. Exactly. Right? Like, I chose him to be a role model. Like, I could have chosen anyone. Mm-hmm. Right? And uh, that's another thing that I find kind of profound. Like, if we want to, you know, we can look at someone and be like, that's what I want to be like. And they could probably be the type of person that you ultimately shouldn't be like. Yeah, for sure. Or you can choose someone else. Like, everything that you see, everything you experience is an example of either what to do or what not to do, mm-hmm. uh, or however you dictate it, right? That's beautiful. Um, I love that. And that's, I, I've always been inspired by people that have ambition, that also just choose to put spirituality at the forefront of their lives. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's just always been a very natural draw and inclination for me. Um, and, uh, but I think... With regards to like the the spiritual, when it really hit home, um, was those missionaries at my home ward. Um, they would always invite me to go out and do splits with them, and I'd be like, "Oh no, what a drag!" <laughs> like I would rather do, I would rather watch paint dry <laughs> than go out with these missionaries. Like I cannot stand that. Like anything, please. And I literally one day I had my mission call, and they the missionaries were like, "Hey, you want to come do splits with us?" I was like, oh, I'm, "I have to do my laundry." <laughs> and, and then I was like mid thought, mid sentence, about to say that or something like that, and I was like, "Wait a second. I literally have my call. I'm about, I'm about to, to go do, do what they're doing all day, every day for two 
years, 104 weeks. That, that, that's a that's a long time. Either I change the fact, either I change the mission, or I change my attitude about it quick. Oh, so I was like, awesome. all right, homies, let's do this. <laughs> and so I went out with them, and I was like, okay, I'm going to have a better attitude this time. So we go out and we visit this lady. Um, she was like, I don't know, probably in her mid-20s or something like that. We teach the first lesson. Oh, they taught it. <laughs> I listened. Yeah. They, they teach the first, the first lesson, and they got to the first vision. And so the missionary starts to recite the first vision, and here I am just like, just in utter awe as I'm listening to this. Like, it's like the first time I've, I've ever heard of the first vision in my life. And he just recites it. Like, I saw a pillar of light above the brightness of the sun descend gradually until it fell upon me. And that, that it just... Dude, it was like a 12 gauge to the heart. I don't even know. It's like it just ex- it's this like this rocket just ex- something exploded inside of me and I was like that was the coolest thing I've ever heard and experienced in my life. And so after that, every single day I was like, "Yo, missionaries, can I go out with you again?" Like, "Hey, do you guys need a ride?" "Hey, I got some donuts you guys want." Some? <laughs> I, I literally asked them if I could sleep over at their house. <laughs> I was like, "Can I do like morning studies with you guys?" And they were like, "Uh, we uh, I don't know." <laughs> I probably made them got almost uncomfortable. They were like, we, we need to have this guy not call us as much anymore. Like, they're usually begging for help, and now it's like we're begging for less help from you, right? <laughs> like, anyway, after that, I just had this fire that just never went out. Awesome. And so I got to the MTC, and then got to the field, and I just, for some Where'd reason, I was in Mexico. Okay. And for some reason, I, I kind of feel like a child at heart, really. <laughs> and so... Wait, that's how you know Emily. Yeah, me, oh. and, me and Emily Brown, we served yeah. together. Okay, yeah. sorry. Um, she's awesome. I love her. She's been such an angel. Um, but when I got to the field, um, I just kind of like, for some reason, just believed that God was listening to me. Mm. I just kind of like had this, it just, I'd never doubted. But so I started to like kind of take probably leaps of faith that probably were not a little ambitious. Not kosher. I don't know if that's, <laughs> like, if that's the right word. Like, I, I kind of tempted God probably too much. Like, I would ask things that were bold, but I was like, I'm Ryan Karchner. He loves me. <laughs> so he's going to do it, right? <laughs> Every child's prayer is going to get answered, right? Well, I'm a child. <laughs> There's a prayer. All right, now do your part. <laughs> All right, pick it up, man. That's beautiful in its own right, though. Like, that really yeah. is. That's, that's faith. Yeah, so, well, it's nice to say that until you hear the things that I asked. <laughs> and you're like, well, Ryan, what is wrong with you? So I I don't know why I did these things, but I, I would frequently do prayers like, all right, God, um, we haven't had much success, so tonight at 5 o'clock, I want you to put in our path a golden investigator, and when we find him, he has to be a male between the ages of 20 and 25. He's going to have a blue jacket on. He's going to have blue jeans. He's going to have brown boots. And when we invite him to, say, to be baptized, he'll say yes. And then I just would end my prayer and be like, all right, can't wait till five happens. <laughs> and then five o'clock would roll around. We'd be in our lesson. I'm like, wait, where's the guy? And then I look at the dude we're actually teaching, and I look at him, and he's wearing a blue jacket, and he's got blue jeans, and he's got brown boots. And I ask him, I'm like, Feder, how old are you? He says, um, 25. And I'm like, do you want to be baptized? Yeah. <laughs> and he's like, when? <laughs> and, and these types of things, they would happen all the time, yeah, all the time. That's so you know, awesome. I'd be like, hey, God, I would like this new companion, and I'd also like to go to this area. Can you send me their next transfer, please? I wouldn't tell my mission prison. I would just pray for it, and next thing you know, transfers come. Hey, Ryan, you're going to this area, and this is going to be your companion. I'm like, sweet. 
Um, I knew that was coming. Yeah, there, <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, there was, uh, you know, I, there was this kid that was sick, and he asked us for a blessing, and I was like, do you believe you can be healed? And so I said, all right. So I gave him the blessing, and then that family came to church for the first time in like three years. And the little boy, it was fast and testimony meeting, he comes up and he shares his testimony. He says, I want to bear my testimony. I know the church is true because the elders came to my house. I've been sick for about two weeks. I hadn't been able to get out of bed for a week. And then the gringo gave me a blessing. <laughs> and w within like 15 minutes of him leaving, I was able to walk again. Aww. And I heard these things happen so often that it just, it got to the point where I just, I just felt, I just nothing doubted anymore. That's... Um, isn't that, isn't that, I feel like we read these things in the scriptures or we hear these stories and yeah. we just discount them so easily, right, but they happen it. in everybody's lives. Awesome. Yeah. And it's, if you're, I think a big part of it is if you're expecting it and if you're aware and notice it. For sure. Keeping your eyes out, uh, finding the blessings in the small things mm -hmm. is, is I think the real key to the game. Um, we always look for the giant spectacular things. Um, but I don't know. Sometimes the little ones, the little ones are what matter the most. Miracles almost. still happen. Yeah, I mean, like if I was God and I saw someone believe in me because I parted the Red Sea for him, that would be different than if I had someone come up to me believing in me because I gave him a little hug. <laughs> you know, like that. Mm -hmm. I don't know. I I think it's important to look for the little things and to value those, and I think God probably appreciates that far more yeah. than if He gives us the big things. But I'm I uh, I definitely did not think like that before, yeah. and I asked for way too many big things, <laughs> and uh, I haven't been quite as bold since the mission <laughs> with that. But I definitely have had plenty of incredible spiritual experiences since then as well. Um, but on the mission, it. Uh, it uh, was very, very profound and an extremely integral and life-changing experience for me. Um, it set a fire that uh, has yet to be extinguished. <laughs> I hopefully it never does, but yeah. it was um, easily the best decision I've ever made was having gone on that mission. And uh, the relationships I built, the confidence I, I built within myself as well and in God, and in believing that basically nothing is impossible with him was really, uh, yeah, an incredible experience. And so I basically decided uh, in there, um, I kind of wrote in my journal, I wrote a letter that uh, to my mission president, I said I would uh, work as hard as I possibly could from sun up until sundown every single day until the end of my mission, and then I would obey with exactness. And then I made sure that I fulfilled that promise. And then I've tried to do something similar since then, but it's, I would say it's been harder yeah. since yeah. then. <laughs> harder to be accountable to. After, after the mission than it was during. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you got to be accountable to yourself for sure. Yeah. Did... Go. Go for it. Okay. Um, when you came home from your mission, how was your adjustment? How was your life afterwards? And what did you do with that fire that you just... Killed it for two years. Yeah. Yeah. It, uh, um, when I got back, I thought it was hilarious that people would talk about how hard the transition was. I was like, y'all's are crazy. <laughs> you know, like, if you, what do you miss? Yeah. You know, like, if you want to keep reading your scriptures, then freaking read your scriptures. <laughs> if you want to wake up early, then wake up early. If you want to keep talking about the gospel to people, keep talking about the gospel to people. Why does any of that have to change? Yeah. The only thing, theoretically, that's changing is that you don't have a name tag on. 
you know, I, I just I thought the transition was silly. I don't I don't now. Okay, it was awkward hugging girls. Yeah, yeah. That, that, that 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 was a little aco taco with extra guaco for sure. <laughs> <laughs> So, hugging girls, that was the only awkward transition. <laughs> Everything else, though, was fine, was seamless. You know, the drive, the ambition. It was funny because, like, most of my childhood, uh, we didn't really have much direction growing up because, like, my parents were always gone. Mm-hmm. Um, so, we would just play video games. But then I got back and I like, had zero desire. I was like, this stuff is filth. Yeah. <laughs> you know, this is of the devil. You know, like, I didn't, wouldn't touch that with a 400 foot pole, you know? <laughs> Um, and so like, yeah, I just read reading books. My patriarchal blessing, uh, it says, uh, Ryan, I admonish you to prepare well for this life by reading out of good books that will enhance your awareness of worldly situations. And it says, choose a field of labor and a field of study that will be beneficial to you and to those that you associate with. Um, and that you'll experience great success in whatever area you choose to perform in. And so I've just tried to read books ever since then, but I have done a lot worse than that. Yeah. in the last several years. Okay, right. Those first couple of years, yeah. That How did I use the fire? I channeled it into reading and to educating myself, okay. right? Because I think it was President uh, Nelson once that said, the difference between wanting to help people and actually being able to help them is education. And I was like, all right then. Shoot. That's, that's in my power. Mm-hmm. That's in my control. That's, that's a powerful quote right there. So did you come home and you... Go home, or did you go to school when you came home? Um, I actually didn't know I was going to go to college. Um, I, I mean, never even thought about it. I didn't even know what the ACT was when I took it. <laughs> you know, like I just school. I never once in my life had someone tell me do your homework. I didn't just you know like <laughs> so like college. I never once heard my parents talk about it growing up, and yeah. so like I just didn't even know I was going to do it. So going back to the whole having good friends. The reason I went to college is because I had a buddy that was like, yo, Ryan, you should come live with me down in Provo. <laughs> and like, cause I'm going to school and like, it'd be cool if we were roommates. And I'm like, but school, like, I don't know. Like, is that, should I do that? And he's like, why not? And I was like, he's just like, just apply to BYU. So I did. And they were like, yeah, your ACT sucks, man. <laughs> <laughs> so I didn't get into BYU. And he's like, well, just apply to UVU. They accept anyone with a pulse. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, no, wait, no, let yeah, me check no, really no. quick. Yeah, I got one of those. <laughs> <laughs> so I applied, and lo and behold, they accepted. That's awesome. So I'm just, I'm just gonna. I like to tell myself that uh, that that's a, a prized accomplishment. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it, it, it's not. But like, it's okay. <laughs> if I believe it is, you know, that's what matters, right? That's right. Um, so he basically it was social. It was peer pressure. Yeah. <laughs> that's why I went to school. And then I moved down to Provo, and then I just started the Provo life. And it was awesome because um, most of my life was just secluded in my house. Okay. I didn't really branch out much. I didn't really get to know much of the world or what else was out there because my parents were always gone all the time. And so like, we was just like, really just the confines of our own home was like our world. And like, I didn't really get to experience much else. So then mm-hmm. I, I, I get down to Provo and I start mingling with people and having these experiences. I'm like, whoa, there's so much more out here. Like, it's incredible like these different families these different people these different personalities they have like hobbies <laughs> and it's like whoa that's so cool you don't just like play video games and like go bowling there's like more <laughs> and and like that was it's sad to more say that that was like a lot of like my childhood yeah, it's yeah. like i really really wish i could go back and change that can't do that the only thing i can change the future but like um it i i have was really just 
transfixed and just mesmerized by all the people I was meeting in Provo and like thinking, wow, that I want to have that kind of life, you know, and I want to be able to kind of create that kind of life for my future family too. Mm -hmm. And so in Provo, my main focus was learning from the people around me and trying to emulate their lives and see if I, what I could incorporate into my own and try to figure out what I could do to kind of create that sort of dynamic for myself someday. And uh, that was really the primary focus uh, of college for me was just to being able to rub shoulders with all of the other students, all That's the other awesome. people in the wards I was with. Like the education itself, like I got that from the books I was reading. Mm-hmm. The classes, for the most part, were a little lame. <laughs> a lot of them did feel like a waste of time. But like I, it, I just kind of it just was a, uh, an opportunity to prove myself as well. Um, you know, it's like, if you're going to do something, you might as well do it well. Mm-hmm. Right. And so it's a Kobe Bryant quote. Is that right? What did you, what did you study? Oh man, I was, uh, I suffer from analysis paralysis. <laughs> <laughs> so, so I had a hard time choosing what I wanted to study. Um, uh, I, that, that's a, long story if I, I could give like the long version but i'll try to give like the more succinct version so i've already been yam- yabbering for so long mm-hmm. but um i was moti- it just very fascinated by human behavior okay. right uh, i guess i will give a little bit of the whatever uh, i was just fascinated um in the mission this is gonna sound really pompous but i don't want to i don't mean it to be it's just like it's just observation is is really all it was but um, I just noticed how it was interesting that every zone I was in was the best performing zone, or at least one of the best performing zones in the mission. And I was just in, I was just very fascinated by how it is that I could influence the missionaries in those zones so much so that they performed more and better, and they believed more, and they were more excited about the mission because I was able to bring that excitement to them. Mm-hmm. Like, it wasn't just... A duty to serve a mission it was a privilege and I helped shape that paradigm shift mm-hmm. for all of the missionaries yeah. in those zones and I it was so fun and so like the idea of just influencing human behavior and figuring out how we can take just an average performer and make them above or exceptional and I just figured you know what if I could do it that consistently there has to be like a formula mm-hmm. and maybe I have an innate understanding of it Again. what if I could like yeah. turn that into like a career you know, and so when I first got back, I uh, I got into HR because I wanted to go into training and development. So like on a corporate level, you know, just being able to uh, basically mold a culture for companies. Uh, sometimes they call it organizational behavior. And so I, I just was fascinated by that. And so I just read so many books on it. Just so fascinating. So interesting. Uh, tons of interesting st- statistics that just talk about how uh, you do this and nine times out of 10, the person will react this way, right? And so if you can take the science and the psychology of it and influence their behavior so that they do things, uh, and the, uh, do good things with mm-hmm. it, why not take that and use it to your advantage or to their advantage, I guess, yeah, right? And so like those types of things I thought were just extremely fascinating. Mm-hmm. Um, eventually I did a couple internships in there. Um, I was the assistant to the president or the whatever you call it, executive of HR for uh, UVU. I was her personal assistant, and that was a lot of fun. Um, and then I did another internship 
Uh, oh, actually, no, that was my only HR one. And I was like, you know, this is a lot more fun to study and read about than it was to actually do. Uh, it was <laughs> just sense. so stressful to come in every day and have a completely new project that I had absolutely no idea how to do. It was just too stressful. And so eventually I was like, yeah, I don't know if that's my cup of tea. <laughs> Um, and so then I was like, well, maybe I'll do seminary teaching because I had a really cool uh, spiritual experience. Where I was just reading this scripture, <clears throat> and uh, it was God talking to Joseph Smith was praying, and he was like, yo, God, I got to, like, provide for my family, right? I, I got to, like, I need to earn income so that I can, like, like, buy a home and get food on the table and, like, uh, you know, what, if we buy clothing, you know, all the things. And God's answer was, in the things of the world, thou shalt not have strength, for this is not your purpose. You are to expound the scriptures unto the church. And that hit me really hard. I was like, maybe I just, maybe I'm supposed to suck at all these other things. <laughs> maybe I'm supposed to become a seminary teacher and just like, t- just expound the scriptures. And so then I started looking into that and I started uh, looking into seminary teaching and, uh, <laughs> It's interesting. I started to like interview tons of them and just like meet with them. And uh, so as I was talking to them, um, I loved what they did. Like that is one of those things where like teaching at the MTC, like it was just a joy. It just every day. It was just so fun. Mm -hmm. Like loving waking up in the morning, loving looking forward to look to what you've got going on the rest of the day and just being so stoked about it. And I thought that I could find that in seminary teaching too. And then I had these interesting experiences where <clears throat> people would kind of start to put me in a box mm. where I felt like I had to be this super holy person all of the time. And I know that doesn't sound like a bad thing, right? Because, you know, we should always be disciples of Christ, right? It's, there's, it's not like, a, all right, take off the coat and now I'm... Now I'm gonna be a natural man. You yeah. know, it's like it's not quite supposed to be like that. It, you know, but at the same time, like Joseph Smith once said, like um, when I'm a prophet, I'm a prophet. But when I'm not, I'm just a man. And it's like sometimes I just want to be a man. <laughs> you know, sometimes I just want to be like crazy fun Ryan that just whatever. And I, I and that might not make sense, but at the time it did in my mind. This was like back in 2018. Um, I didn't want people to think that I was living the gospel because I had to by being in a position like that sometimes people think oh you're probably doing all this spiritual stuff because you have to a lot of the the families that I had interviewed Mm -hmm. a lot of them had inactive children Mm -hmm. and I I did not want for one moment my kids to ever look at me and to say he lives the gospel because he has to not because Mm -hmm. he wants to yeah because because of his career kind of thing yeah Yeah. because his career right and i didn't want them to look at me and be like oh he's just like he's too churchy you know i i i wanted to have more diversity in my life so that they could see i have passion in all these other areas like i didn't want to be like my parents (laughs) in in that regard right like we're just like so one-dimensional i wanted to have more variety in my life and I wanted to show them that I could excel in other areas worldly areas that the, everyone esteemed and valued and and thought was important <clears throat> but then to simultaneously excel in my spiritual development too I joined the class to become a seminary teacher and it just didn't feel right anymore mm-hmm. and it was really interesting because I had had such a powerful experience with that Joseph Smith scripture I was telling you yeah. guys about and it was just so profound um 
And I thought, well, what's God going to do if I don't do that? You know, yeah. it, 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 will I have been making a mistake? Mm-hmm. And then the next day I found this article that said, like, if I, quote unquote, make a mistake or do something different, um, did I ruin God's plans for me? And and then it's basically said that God is a co-creator of your life. Hmm. Um, he hmm. said basically the article was saying that the only thing that ultimately matters is that you develop a testimony and then you return to live with him, right? And everything else is kind of your choice. It's your life, right? It's kind of like getting married too. It's like a lot of people are like, well, what? who should I marry? You know, like what career should I have? It's like, it's not my wife, it's yours. Mm-hmm. You pick, <laughs> you know? Yeah, yeah, ask me, will you have a, a happy and fulfilling life if you marry that person? Yeah, I can answer that question. Mm-hmm. But who? That's that's up to you. Mm-hmm. And I, I thought the same thing, the, thought, the same thought came to my head with a career. It's like, it's not my career, it's yours. Mm-hmm. Pick something that you like. Mm-hmm. And then dive dive right in. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and at that point, uh, that's when I seriously started considering either so- social work um, or eventually I ran into financial planning. And uh, that's what I do now is uh, financial Fidelity. planning. Fidelity Investments <laughs> is where I've been for about two years. Um, and uh, I guess the motivation behind that was also the patriarchal blessing where it said that uh, people would come up to me seeking, because of my expertise, seeking counsel and advice and that they would count my name blessed forever as a result and i was like okay what on earth could i do and you're like what, um, no what what, what, would I, what will <laughs> i do that you know what, what could i do where people would come up to me seeking because of my expertise seeking counsel and advice that would they would count blessed forever as a result like what what is that what what type of profession could possibly have that kind of result like I can't give examples because anyone listening to this, that if they do that career, <laughs> that it's like, wait, what are you saying about like, yeah. I, I, I couldn't think of anything yeah. that could possibly have that kind of impact on someone other than social work or mm-hmm. like seminary teaching. So I was kind of at a loss. Yeah. Um, and, uh, or high school teaching was another thing I was really looking into. Um, but eventually I kind of realized, wait, I could, as a financial planner, you're a teacher too. And I thought that was kind of interesting. So I learned, I'd started looking into it more and I realized that like, um, like there's the, like the three topics that you can't talk about, right? It's like uh, religion, uh, politics, and uh, money, money is the third one. And part of the reason is because it's so it's personal. Mm-hmm. It's very sensitive. Vulnerable. It's extremely vulnerable, mm-hmm. right? And people are scared because, like, what if they reveal that part about themselves and you disapprove? You know, like, that's, it's going to affect you. You're going to, like, maybe it'll even influence your esteem, right? And so people are afraid of that um, because, like, so much of the world says, like, that materialism is, like, is status, is, is happiness, yeah. is, is a measure of your worth and your accomplishment in this life is, like, how much you've earned and how much power you've accrued. Mm-hmm. And so people are afraid to open up about those types of things and to even say that they're not doing so hot in those areas. And so I thought it was really cool that in financial planning, in those moments where people come up to you and they kind of say, hey, this is where I'm at, like they kind of like really it's like they're like a financial report card <laughs> you're just kind of like going over everything they show yeah. everything to you and in that moment of insecurity and fear for their present and for their future you can morph that into a sense of hope mm. convert it into a sense of peace serenity 
and like just excitement for the future yeah and uh having a plan having uh, and believing that the future is secure now mm. uh and that there's a way you can get from where you are to where you want to be financially and so i thought that seemed pretty cool that's incredible and so then i switched over to financial planning and went all in there and i've been pretty much all in ever since that's, that's awesome that's awesome how uh when I when I think of like Ryan Karchner, I'm thinking of how good you are at building relationships and kind of staying positive in relationships and things like that. How do you feel like you keep a good attitude, a positive attitude in relationships? And what are some things that you use to develop, you know, lasting friendship and positive relationships? And dating. Uh, oh, we want to delve into that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, open up that can of worms. <laughs> Um, well, here's the thing, like relationships for me are the pinnacle. They're the focal point of everything I do. Like I don't do financial planning because I think it's fun, which I do. I do financial planning so that I can learn how I can help someone else. And I I want to be able to have a set of skills and abilities that people need that will allow me to be able to provide just be able to help them, you know, mm-hmm. and I want to be able to be the answer to people's prayers. And like, I feel like the more I learn, the more skill sets I develop, the the greater capacity I have to actually do that. Mm. And so with regards to relationships, I mean, it's like everything I do is trying to figure out what can I do to contribute value to this other person's life. Um, so with regards to like developing and maintaining those relationships, I'm not as, I don't have as much fervor with it now as I used to. I, I used to, I used to have spread my rope kind of thin or my mm-hmm. net kind of thin. I, uh, um, I was always developing these shallower relationships, uh, just like meeting tons and tons and tons and tons of people all the time. It was like a full-time job socializing yeah. for me before. And, uh, um, and, uh, eventually there was this, <laughs> There was this girl that I was uh, looking into to dating, and uh, eventually she, I was like, all right, I'm ready. Let's take this to the next level, next step. And there's a lot of history behind that. But eventually, essentially we were friends, and then she expressed interest. I wasn't interested, and uh, eventually I was interested. And I was like, okay, let's do this. And she said, I'm, I don't see you that way anymore. I don't feel that way anymore. And I was like, oh. And I was like, can I ask why? She said, Ryan, I need someone who can treat me like a partner and not just a friend. Mm. And that was when I realized that the quality of relationships needed to become the focal point and not the quantity. And uh, that ever since that day, I've focused on learning how to develop deeper relationships with people. And so now, for the most part, I hang out with pretty much the same people over and over versus meeting new ones all the time. Mm-hmm. That's probably why I haven't been as invested into this ward as I probably should have been. <laughs> I haven't spent as much time going to all the activities as I probably would have like a couple of years ago. But um, uh, with the relationships, um, honestly, people don't really care how much you know until they know how much you care. And so with them, I just do everything I can to reach out and to be there for them and to provide for them in every way that I possibly can. It's pretty easy to judge by people's actions what their um, what their values are. Mm-hmm. And so um, 
Did that answer your question? Yeah, it did. Yeah, it did. Yeah. Okay. That seemed a little scatterbrained, <laughs> so I apologize if that didn't really make much sense. But Well, I've learned a ton. Yeah. Gonna, you are such a fascinating person to me. Yeah, I could real. listen to you talk all day. Um, <laughs> but no, genuinely, I really could. Just because you have so much knowledge in your head and you articulate it, like probably the best I've ever heard articulated. <laughs> Really? And we interview a lot of people. Um, I'm <laughs> serious. A, wow, I'm very flattered by that. <laughs> um, last question um, before UVU kicks us out. Um, <laughs> what is one thing, because we, we touched everything. We touched missions. We touched family development. We touched career paths. We've touched relationships. What do you think is one thing that you wish you knew during these times that you could give to somebody else to take away? Um to better their life in, I would say, a spiritual way. Let's focus on that. Um, honestly, my as long as I can remember, I have tried really hard on learning how I can become like other people. And uh, something that's been really hard to grasp and to try to actually incorporate is learning how to just be me. Um, mm. and I know that might not perhaps make sense. Um, but sometimes we focus so hard on being what we think others want us to be and being what we think we should be rather than actually focusing on what we f- truly are. Mm-hmm. And that has caused some conflict for me. Um, and I don't know if that necessarily relates much spiritually per no, se, I think it does. but, um, Learning how to be true to who you are is really hard because as a chronic people pleaser, it's yeah. it's it's almost impossible to figure out who you are because you're just thinking, oh, I want them to like me. Mm-hmm. And the best way to do that is to have the same interests as them. Mm-hmm. So let me just start delving into that and developing those interests. And then I'm like, oh, if, if, you know, like I, in order to win them over, I have to become like them. And so now you're just like so torn because, oh, maybe this is my identity mm-hmm. to be part of that group. Yeah. Maybe this is my identity to be part of that group or this one, or this one. Yeah. And so like, that's really hard to figure out who am I if I want to be like everyone. Um, and that question of like, who do I want to be and not who do I think others want me to be? Hmm. That is something Critical. that I think we all need to be asking ourselves a lot sooner. Um, because like, I mean, we've got one life, right? And one day that that last step is going to come. That last breath is going to come. Right. And like the only thing that's going to is guaranteed is that day. Mm-hmm. Everything between now and then is up to us. And I want to do what I can to make the most of it. And I feel like being who we truly are, I, I it, the faster, the sooner we can figure that out. Um, I think the sooner we'll, we'll get to living a fulfilling life. I feel like, and, uh, that's incredible. Um, I don't know. I feel like that's probably something we all probably got to focus on a little bit more. No, that's awesome. And I could just, I, I could that. just feel like the success mindset vibes coming off of Ryan right now. Yeah, I, I yeah. He like makes me feel like I can do anything. <laughs> Seriously, oh, like gosh. I have energy. no limit. The energy is awesome. It really is. I, I'm very grateful you said that and you ended it like that because. Um, our, we can find our identity in Christ, even if it is our own. Mm-hmm. And I think it's important coming from a culture, a, a church that is so culturally driven mm-hmm. um, and influenced by other people who you are, that we can be one in Christ, but we don't have to be the same. 
mm-hmm. in Christ. You know, we can be our own genuine person to help and aid in his work. Mm-hmm. And that's different for each and every person. And that's why he sent us here. And as we put him in the center of our lives, we become that yeah. person. Yeah. Uh, the focal undoubtedly. I think um, if it's okay, I, there's something else that I just thought of. Um, uh, when we're trying to like figure out who we are and like what we want, sometimes we have this vision, right? If we like close our eyes and it's like, what if, if nothing was impossible, if I had no fear, what would I do? Yeah. Like, what would I become? And then we think of something and it's like, Hi, there's no way. Mm-hmm. How could I possibly get there? And, you know, we always hear that scripture that says like, with God, all things are possible. But like, sometimes it's hard to believe that, right? And something that I think is crucial um, and I've been trying to learn how to do this myself. Um, I think faith is focusing on all the reasons why you can do something rather than focus on all the reasons why you can't. Mm. And if you're focused on all the reasons why you can, I think suddenly the path will eventually illuminate itself, mm. right? And that's, I think, part of the reason why it's so important to be constantly seeking revelation because God says, like, hey, here's this question, and maybe the answer, maybe like the destination is the same for you and for this person and for that person, but the path is different because your skill sets are different than his. So the answer I give for you is going to be different than the answer I give to him because his skill sets allow this path to be a possibility, but for you, only this path will work. And so that, that's like, like why we need to seek revelation. That's why we need to like be focused on the reasons why we can and cater to what God shows us mm-hmm. is, are, are the things that we can do. Um, that's and profound. Just, yeah, you just dropped some <laughs> real knowledge right there. Real spirit just came through my entire body. <laughs> that sounds weird, but it did. <laughs> um, dang, I'm like flabbergasted by how much I just learned right now. That was that was profound. That was um, awesome. Thank you, Ryan, for yeah, coming. Yeah, for real. <laughs> like, I want to do a part two just to hear some more, like, I just want to go read so many books now. <laughs> I'm like, I can learn we all should, this from a book. Like, this is actually something I've been trying to two. talk yeah. to Aaron about. Yeah. Is like, <laughs> yeah, well, I'm I down. Mean, see, here's the thing. Like, we all have so much FOMO all the time, right? And it's so, like that for me, like with the whole relationship building, well, if I'm reading a book, I'm not building a relationship, am I? Yeah. You know, so yeah, it's like, I always want to go dude, like, I, I, I fall asleep now reading books. It's like, oh, I'm supposed to be out doing something else. I'm supposed to be out talking to someone else. But uh, like, if what if I was reading the book with the other people, with the someone else? So like, I was thinking like, I was talking to Aaron about this. Like, what if there was like this? We way- have a lot of bookies in our ward. Yeah, most of I'm them are one. super introverted and hate people. <laughs> no. All three of us right here. Oh, really? You're one too? Oh, I love books. All right, well, I, I love uh, books. as you can see, I have well, I'm also wrong. all who are listening, you are invited to our book club, <laughs> Cinnamon Tree, my apartment. <laughs> um, but thanks again, Aaron, or Ryan, for coming on. We really appreciate Absolutely. all that you shared. But if any of you guys have, because I'm seriously, want to do a part two if you're down. Um, if any of y'all have questions to pick ryan's brain because i have so many just flowing through my <laughs> head right now um too send bad it you to us. Closes. <laughs> like joe rogan's podcast go for like four hours sometimes <laughs> send it to us through email or direct message on instagram and we're trying to pop off more there since my school load is light but it's kind of hard but anyways we love you guys so much <laughs> love you all so much thanks for listening see you next week bye